I'm Mike Siegel, and my guest today, if you don't know who Jackie Cation is, she's a very funny comedian. Hello. And has her own very successful podcast, The Dork Forest. Very lovely. Very And you've fun, been doing it for uh, 100 years. About 100 years. Even before years. the internet existed, which before, was amazing. What I would do is I would just shout on the streets. I was a caller. <laughs> I would say, let's talk about dorky things. Right. It was just called bad social skills before the internet. But five, yeah. <laughs> but, but five years for the internet is a long time. So you were there early. You were on board early. I know. It might have been the best uh, decision I've ever made in my <laughs> career besides taking uh, – stop, stop doing one-nighters. Oh, right. uh, but one of those two. Have you stopped? Doing one nighters? You officially? I haven't. That's an illusion. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't do I don't do some of the more desperate one one nighters. Yeah, I've decided recently that not that I'm above them, but I'm above them. <laughs> it's a, I, I don't want to fight with the yes. career drunks and the and the trivia. It's, it just it's wears not... you down after you've been doing it long enough. Yeah, where yeah. You just there's a moment you're on stage and you just go. I don't need to listen to you, sir. No. I don't need it anymore. $200 is certainly not worthwhile right. at this juncture since I just drove four miles. Right. Four, four hours. So, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is a, is a, is a debacle. But I, it's not that I don't like – like some of the one-nighters, of course, are great. Yeah. But some of them are just set up poorly. And unless I know who set them up – I'm not going to do them right. unless I hear, you know, there's one nighter I'm doing before I do Atlanta uh, this year and um, Kyle Kinane and James Adomian both did it and they said it was great. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's like a nickel and I believe I have to get in a car with a young comic who's going to want to riff on street signs. But if those guys tell you it's good, you yes. trust there and they go, no, Completely. you can do this one. Yeah. 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 It's not that some guy who runs a bar and says, hey, we're going to have comedy in front of a dartboard, <laughs> and uh, we might turn off the TVs. Yeah, we'll mute them at least. And, uh, <laughs> and what we'll do is you'll be right next to that uh, portable stripper pole. Right. And that'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, you are from uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yep. Nearby, where I'm from, Chicago. I was Chicago. born in, uh, in Wisconsin. Were you born in Wisconsin? I was born Wisconsin? in Port Washington. Aw, my, my marching band. That sounded like pity. No, Aww. it's nice. I love Port Washington. Actually, uh, the Port Washington days, the fish days. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know um, that one. We were, I was. We moved to South Milwaukee. With um, the South Side or South yeah, Milwaukee? Yeah, down by the airport somewhere. I don't know the exact neighborhood, but we were down there. Because I'm from South Milwaukee, Uh-oh. which is a little town just south of Milwaukee. <laughs> Catchy. Oh, South Catchy. Milwaukee is the name. Yeah, is the okay. name of the... T- we have our own water treatment plant, Mike Whoa, Siegel. Whoa, says South, South Milwaukee. Go Rockets. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so... Uh, why would that happen? Oh, your phone's on. Yeah. See, as a podcasting professional, I would think uh, you but knew I would better. Have my shit together. Is that an important high-level uh, text? Well, show business? Is that the president of show business? <laughs> yes. Finally, they're going to go in a Jackie Cation direction. And, uh, <laughs> we want to get in the Jackie Cation business. <laughs> How do I, who do I call? Who do I call? And you're like, well, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to turn it call off. Call during right Mike's now. podcast. That's yes. It's, uh, if I could just somehow. <laughs> what I like is during my own podcast is when it goes off. Right. And then the home phone will go off. And then my other uh, favorite is uh, one time the doorbell rang. Well, what and, are you going to do? Well, I know the phone's going to go off. I still have a landline. Yeah, me too. I know at some point that's going to go off. Do you know why? Do you know why you have a landline? Because when the big one hits, you've got to have a landline. Yes. That's, that's I don't trust I... these newfangled uh, satellites. Oh, let me tell you something about my husband, Mr. Andy Ashcraft, good egg, <laughs> is that he uh, believes that, um, that the landline, uh, 
that that cell phones should not have been invented until they were uh, of any use, until they were perfected. They should not have been released. Right. Let the army were... have them for a long time and then let them work yeah. out all the kinks. I. I'm okay. I'm okay with the uh, with the lovely technology that is occurring now. I don't need it to be perfect. I'm willing to lose a call two yeah. or three times a day. Uh, well, you know, as someone who travels all the time, it's yeah. completely changed the road and travel that somebody can get a hold of you at one number wherever you're at. I mean, that was revolution when you and I started doing the road. We had uh, to pull over and find a payphone if you're running late. Exactly. You know, use it buying like phone cards for the condo because yep. you couldn't call out. And oh, yeah. it's changed everything. It has changed everything. It's um. It's great. I was just in Australia, and um, I got a phone call from my brother, and at about three or four minutes in, I didn't get a – you know, ATT doesn't have a plan. An international it, plan? Well, yeah, they have an international plan, but it's not much better than the not yeah. international plan. <laughs> I can drop my calls all over the world. Right, right. So about eight minutes into this call, I was like, you know, it's about a buck fifty a minute here. I know I sound like a grandmother, <laughs> but uh, let's get out of this. And he goes – I'm not worth eight bucks to you? What's happening? I was like, no, no. I love you dearly. I'll talk to you in a week. I like how they sneak in the guilt in a different time zone. You're in a different (laughs) continent. What? I'm not good enough? far away. I'm telling you about my day here. Exactly. I went fishing. Did you? Did you go fishing? (laughs) You know what I am? I'm in Australia uh, hoping to get on a boat (laughs) and go look at a coral reef. So, Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. So you came from a pretty big family, right? Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of brothers. Four brothers and a sister. Uh-huh. And um, we never Were went they, anywhere. Was that out of fear? Was that of money? Or uh, do you with think, six kids, you got to be of, like that's an effort. Mel Gibson rich to have, yeah, or a bus. You got to have a, some kind of a big. Right, my dad always he always drove like a Lincoln Continental or right. some sort of creepy. Well, he's a salesman. He's got yeah, he's successful. Got the, he's got the Cadillac. Sure, he's got absolutely. The every year new car. Every his year Mad new Men car. car. Yeah, and so you know we would essentially it was, and we lived in a small town. So he was like, where do we need to go anywhere? Just go down to the creek, go crabbing, <laughs> and uh, go down to the lake. The creek. Go, go down to the creek and go crabbing. Right, you know what got that a means? Custard in, stand here. Got... <laughs> do, you, do you know what that means in English, by the way? Creek and crabbing. No. The creek and uh, crawdadding. Crawdadding. <laughs> crawdadding sure. down by the creek. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to say, but they never. I would think. You know, I was getting... never on a plane till I was nineteen. Nineteen? Yeah. Really? Where I, did you go? I went to New York City. Took a roll of thirty-six back when it was film from wow. the airplane. Really. Yep. I mean, do you, let's talk about that because I remember my first flight as a kid, and I think I was probably close to about seven or eight. I've talked about it before, but I mean, it just seemed like a magical thing. We went to Florida. Yeah. And it just seemed like a magical thing to me because we always drove there, and it took like two days right. to get down there. And all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute, I can just wake up at my own house, yep. go to the airport, and then I'm spending the Somewhere same else. night, and then we... We get out of the plane. We're in Florida. I mean, yeah. it, it blew me away. It blew it, me. What, it, no, it what was, would you think about when you were your first flight? Well, you're in there, college. I'm guessing. I'm in college. Uh, it was um, a friend of mine is from New York City, and she was like, "Come to New York City for over New Year's." And my sister had a friend who I could apartment sit for, and so I didn't have to stay with Jenny and her parents and so stuff. You're right in Manhattan. Right in Manhattan, oh, nice. over by Morningside Park in 1984. That wasn't safe. No, that was the night. Yeah, the yeah. crack was right peaking. Right, and- right. There was a there were a, a note that I, that her friend had left for me saying, "Don't let the cats out and uh, don't go into the park." And right. she said, "Don't even go on that side of the street." It's nothing but crack and break dancing. <laughs> right. <at that> point. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Electric boogaloo's in there, and yeah, yeah, and uh, um, yeah. So I flew, and they moved me up to first class right as we were landing, so I could get better pictures. Oh boy, they were very remember sweet. those days? Yeah. And it was very sweet, and they had run out of um, they had run they ran out of food, like breakfast was yeah. being served. 
This is back in the day. Oh, uh, your meal was, and everything. And meal and everything. Their breakfast was being served. I'd never been out of I'd, – I'd been to Illinois. That's the wow. only other place I'd been prior to this. Which never, is, you know, 60 miles from where you grew exactly. up. Exactly. And so in my father, it was just a nightmare where he'd be mm-hmm. like, let's uh, – you, you were promised ice You didn't even make it to Minnesota Nope. Up? Nope. Wow. <laughs> it's uh, not Michigan, nothing. And so – Wow. So this must have, like, rocked your world. Like, it did. I mean, it was exciting. Was your face pressed up against the window? And yeah, you know, I was all for it. And then I got to New York, and my friend Jenny was supposed to meet me, and then I called her from the payphone. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I can't meet you. Just take the train. Oh. To the to just take the bus to the train to the uh, JFK. Uh, it was LaGuardia. I th- no, oh. no, it was Newark. Oh, and so uh, I took the bus and I go out and I go up to the guy working the bus and I said, "Is this the bus to New York City?" And uh, I'm 19. He gets to do his New York thing. Look at the front of the bus and go. Right. Yeah, it says New York. We're going to – that's where we're going. Yeah. And then so I give him my $15 and I go stand over to the side. And then a gentleman, not originally from this country, mm-hmm. mm, Eastern Europe, okay, middle 40s, comes up to me and says, is this the, the bus to New York City? And I was like, to my knowledge it is, but that's the guy. And so he goes up to that guy and the guy gets to do his joke again. Mm-hmm. And then so the, the, the Eastern Europe guy pulls out a 50 and the bus driver says, I don't have change for that. Go inside and get a ticket and, and I'll wait. And the guy goes, no, no, you'll leave without me. And the bus driver's like, no, no, I know you exist. I will wait. <laughs> At which point a giant black man walks up to him and says, do you need change for that 50? I'll go get you the ticket and be right back. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, two things went through my mind. Mm. I'm a racist and I wouldn't trust me with $50. <laughs> so, uh, but so I'm trying to like catch the, the Eastern European dude's eye. Mm. He won't look at me. Like, no, I, dude, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're in New York, mm-hmm. the big city. And so I catch the bus driver's eye who shrugs. I catch the giant black guy's eye who looks at me like, what are you going to do? And yeah. I'm like, I'm new. I'm new. <laughs> and the guy goes off. Guess what happened? Black guy came back. Came back with and the change and with the, the change, and also was riding the bus with us. Stuck his tongue out at me. Oh! As he walked past me, <laughs> it was easily the funniest thing that happened. <laughs> Welcome to New York. <laughs> Welcome to New York. Nye, nye, nye. <laughs> wow. So, but I mean, growing up in a family with so many brothers and and that many, I, I would think I always. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start that clean. Growing up in a family with a lot of brothers, a lot of uh, female comics. I know the road. Kind of wears them down. A lot of people. Oh, You've right. lasted a lot longer than because you were. You're still on the road. And you get you know traveling alone. I yes. just know it's harder. And we stayed in scary yeah. places like condos and uh, yeah, shitty just hotels condos with, and, with with hilarious hilarious dirt bags. Yes. And just driving and driving alone and doing driving a, alone and a and lot of women. It just kind of wore them out after a while, and they were scared and. Yeah. And I could see where it happened, but you never had that fear? Or did you have any I bad didn't. incidences? I had some bad. I mean, there's there's times when you don't feel safe. But, you know, as I like to say, as Ginsburg said, <laughs> I've seen the best minds of my generation running naked through the Negro streets at dawn mm-hmm. with money taped to their ass, screaming what's going to happen. He, actually, he didn't put it like that. <laughs> right. but here's the thing. And then the guy came back with their change and, <laughs> and a Mustang. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's, I mean, you you live a little defensively, you yeah. know? And, um, and I was never good at getting laid on the road. Right, I did, but like once a year. If okay. I could get myself drunk enough to trust some guy not to kill me yeah. uh, and or not care, you know, I'd be like, let's do this. <laughs> and, uh, and what I did mostly on the road for the longest time was just get drunk. 
Yeah. And then uh, drink, 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 and then pass out, and then wake up the next day at like one. Which and is then, even more dangerous. Right. You know, now you're now your uh, your senses are dulled. Right, right. How do I fight this? You one? don't have your head on a swivel. And I there. was, you know, in most of those one nighters are in like best westerns so that they're in the lounge, and all you have to do is stumble up to your room. Right, and, right. And um, yeah, I always and I always thought of myself as less rape material than date rape material. Uh, a lot of people they want to buy a cup of coffee or dinner before they, they want rape to know me, me first. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> They're like, I want to hate you specifically. I don't just hate all women. Right, right. And, but comedy really let me see the rest of the country. You know, it really that must does. have been eye opening for you. I had been around a little bit, but. For someone who never left Wisconsin, that was right. Be. And then uh, when I started doing the road, I was living in Minneapolis, and because um, yeah. I moved to Minneapolis to do the do comedy full time. And yeah. when I say I that, I think that's where I met you there first. Yeah, I had a day job until two thousand three, <laughs> but I always had a great day job that would let me go on the road, and yeah, and I, I would kept have mine a job for a few I, years. Yeah, because I just I love a regular paycheck. Yeah. I just get nervous. So, um, but so when when you do the road out of Minneapolis, much like Chicago. You're driving to North Dakota and yes. South Dakota and Nebraska and Iowa and then Wisconsin and Michigan and Illinois mm-hmm. and Indiana, maybe. So um, I wasn't even flying anywhere. But now, now I get to fly places. You take planes now. I take planes. You're <laughs> very take, important. I am very important. It's hard to be me. Uh, <laughs> it's actually, I, I've taken so many planes lately that I just, I want to stay <laughs> Home. I want to stay home. Well, that's another thing. You know, we can say we're tired of driving, yeah. but then you stay in enough airports or you go through enough airports and uh, that'll wear you out too. I'm, I'm actually, there's a moratorium on uh, Subway sandwiches. Okay. There's a, there's a, I cannot possibly. You drew the line? Yeah. There's like, I can usually, I can eat, I can have them for about three months and then I got to spend a good six months not even smelling the bread. Yeah. Because... I think the, I had to do the uh, – I, I had a moratorium. I did uh, a club sandwich in every state. Um, oh, nice. At some point, I was going to have a club sandwich. I was determined because <laughs> you can get it anywhere. And you sure. know, every, I was like, I'm going to have a club sandwich. And I love a club sandwich. So I'm a gonna, club sandwich is quite I'm nice. going to get a club sandwich in every state. Yeah, Subway is, is like almost the healthiest thing that is everywhere. Yeah, and there's no options other, other – no, yeah, there's nothing else happening. Because, you know, we go to these towns and there's nothing open after nine. Right. And everything's deep fried and, and yeah. crazy and, and ridiculous. Yeah, the the food is, I think, the greatest problem. Yeah. <laughs> it genuinely is. If the food were better. I was just in Australia for two weeks and the food's amazing. Yeah, let's get into that. And so, I, didn't, I didn't gain any weight. I didn't lose any weight, <laughs> but I didn't gain any weight. And it was all, and I ate, you know, really good food. Yeah, that seems to be a theme with everybody I talk to, and it seems to be wherever you go. I mean, which makes you wonder, what are we, what are we eating? And, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, say the preservatives and all the crap and the hormones we put in our meat and all you that know, stuff. What someone else mentioned to me is that what processed they think food and- is that, you know, there's only 25 million people in Australia, and yeah. it's the landmass of the United States. And, and Yeah, it's incredible. So they don't have to, the food doesn't travel. Everything, all of their food is done locally. As yeah. far as like meat and eggs, well, to and ship bread. it would be so prohibitively expensive. Right, the food's already pretty expensive. Yeah, and then but to send it to across a, a million miles, it'd be ridiculous. And so we have a better infrastructure with t- three hundred and sixty million people. 
right. that were, were like, well, this we, is the place where all the bread is made. Yeah, we, so we're we truck it in it. from the factory, the exactly. food factory. It just says food on the outside. <laughs> it's from a, a nice uh, exit in New Jersey. <laughs> so you were there for how long? Talk just two weeks this time. Two uh, weeks? I, oh, been, you've been there before. This is my third time going there. And this time you were I doing went, comedy. Uh, this time I went for a wedding, and I did, a, I did some comedy so that I could write off at least half of the trip. Atta girl. Because I'm not, I'm not made of stone. I'm no idiot. <laughs> and then I made my husband get a get an appointment for a video game company. Oh, so, he's a he's he, in that business. Yeah, he's a game designer. He's a okay. video game designer. He works um, uh, Disney Mobile, making an iPhone, iPad. Oh, very game. nice. So nice. So you're there for two weeks. Were you just in Sydney and Melbourne? Yeah. Well, we did uh, this. I'd never been to Sydney before, so we did. We oh. went to Sydney for the wedding, and I did a set in Sydney, and then we took a week and did vacation. Up by the Great Barrier Reef. The, the Cairns or the... We didn't go all the way to Cairns. I have been to Cairns. Mm-hmm. Cairns is better. But this place is better for sailing, I thought. And a lot smaller. It's called the Whit Sunday Islands. Whit Sunday Island. Islands. I've been. Have you been to the Whit yes. Sunday? Airly Beach? Yes. Sailing. And uh, I took a little... Uh, it was just like a day uh, sailing yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah, like we, we did gorgeous. two. We did two day trips, uh, and then we did a rainforest uh, thing with a very grumpy Magoo. Oh, uh, really? Grumpy Magoo who kept saying, "Don't touch anything; it'll kill you." And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we talked to other Australians, and and this woman goes, "Did he tell you that everything that will kill you in Australia has an anecdote within two meters around it?" And I was like, "No." And he, she said, "Yeah, nature's like that." An antidote. An antidote. Okay, you said anecdote. Oh, did like I, I say anecdote? It's got a great story right. within a Let me tell you <laughs> two, something. two feet within around. Within two meters. <laughs> you can get a great tale. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that bites you, you can get a great story Words out of it. Words are my life. Within, <laughs> within 20 meters. I like that. <laughs> that was my first solo trip out of the country. Oh, uh, really? And Because uh, I was going to move. I was living in Chicago. I was doing stand-up full-time. And I was going to move to L.A., yeah. And uh, my old roommate had moved to New York, and, and I was on the road every week anyway, so I just kind of like sold all my stuff, moved back in with my mom and saved money. Yeah. Uh, and then I went, wait a minute, I can – because my first trip out of the country was to Europe and doing the whole like sure. backpacking around after college. But I met all these Australians there, and they're all like so much fun. Yeah. And uh, it's Did a, just a place I always wanted to go. Yeah, some of them. This was pre-internet, so it was really okay. hard to – so I went there. I just said, well, let me just not book myself for like six weeks. And uh, then when I come back, I'll just, you know, do the road and save money and live yeah. at home. So I, uh, I went. Yeah, it was like January, February of 96. Ooh, and summer. I went, yeah, I went for six weeks. And I started in Melbourne and just went up the coast to Cairns. And uh, well, I, went, I did 10 days in New Zealand. And then oh, did, wow. Did you go to New Zealand? I have never been to New Zealand. It's amazing. Zealand. It's, I, I hear if you like nature, it's beautiful. You've chosen correctly yes. to go to New Zealand. Um, the first time I went, I was writing the Maria Bamford coattails uh, of, of the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Okay. Maria Bamford, very, she supports me in my journey. Oh, that's uh, great. And I'm like, I will take a ride to anywhere near the middle. And, uh, and then you can drop me off, keep going yourself. And then if you think of me again when you're further along, pick me up again. And uh, <laughs> yeah. just bring me a couple more steps up. Right. It'll be fine. But I went with her. Um, and then the following year, so that was all Melbourne. And then the following year, I did the nine-week road show. Where, where it was 10 weeks total. It was a week in Melbourne. Yeah. And then it was nine weeks traveling around Australia. Wow. On the festival's dime, and they they integrated uh, touristy stuff into it. So you were there nine weeks. Yeah, 
Ten just weeks up total. the uh, East Coast, or did no, you go West you went Coast, to the center and everything? South. We didn't go to the center, oh. and we didn't go to Sydney. But what we did is we, we <laughs> you missed you missed Sydney. Missed you, missed, Sydney. you missed the biggest city in missed, nine weeks. Missed uh, Adelaide. Missed uh, Alice Springs. But you went to Perth. Went to Perth. Uh, went to Margaret River. Wow. Went to um, Kalgoorlie, which Kalgoorlie is a, is a mining town. We went to a lot of mining towns. That's all it is. Yeah, I tr- I try to describe the west the state of Western Australia to people here, and yeah. I go imagine you're looking at a map of the U.S. and take like everything from Colorado west right. and just draw a line up and down. In that entire western part of the U.S., there's they have like that's about the size of Western Australia, the state yeah. of Western Australia. Yeah, and in that there's like a million and a half people, right? And a million of them live in Perth, so it's like. All of the western half of the United States, and you'd have San Diego. Yeah. And the rest is just scattered little mining towns. Yeah. And then when, that gives you perspective on the size of it. It's just, it's just like it's there's enormous. nobody there. There's nobody there. They're psyched about nobody there, except yeah. that they're psyched when you come to visit them. Mm-hmm. It's much like doing military gigs because they're like, I have been talking to this guy for like 26 years. Do you have a different story? Anything <laughs> yes. at all. And they only have four channels, like right. TV channels. And so it was... We'd go into these towns of three or four hundred people, and Kalgoorlie uh, is the, where the super pit is, where like one percent of the world's gold comes out of it every day. Wow! And all it is, it's not uh, it's not subtle. No the super pit. Uh, they're 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 digging up gold with giant shovels. Yeah, great and for the environment. Incredibly nice. Uh, <laughs> I believe uh, my my hometown is a factory town in outside of Milwaukee, and we make strip mining equipment. Yeah. We started making reclamation equipment. Talk about making your own mm-hmm. circle, circle of life, and uh, keeps us working. <laughs> keeps us working. But um, give them the disease and then sell them the antidote. Exactly, mm-hmm. or the anecdote, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, or oh. The, yeah, there you go, Captain Callback. Mm-hmm. But um, the yeah, so I mean, it was they'd be these small towns and they'd be psyched to see you, but it was like they have um, gambling is legal everywhere, slot machines, and they have. Um, Sort of uh, naked from the top up bars, sure. Like titty bars, would mm-hmm. that be? Or yeah, except we'll that they're that. just serving drinks. They're not dancing. They're, they're just walking dancing. around. They're yeah. just walking around without their shirts on. <laughs> well, it's really hot too. Let's, let's <laughs> cut them some slack there. <laughs> and me and the, the one other woman on this tour. It was me and her. She was running the tour. Okay. It was me and four other comics and uh, all guy, American. Uh, no. Uh, well, the first four weeks, I went with all Aussies. Okay. And they were young guys who would not stop riffing. God bless them. Oh. Everything isn't funny. And then yes. the last four weeks was with uh, older comics who'd been doing it a little bit longer. Yeah. A little more guys. bitter. Awesome. Like keep to themselves. Conversation. Yes. There were topics. They want to talk about anything else but comedy. Yes. They had books that they had read. Yeah. <laughs> they had political opinions. It was lovely. They lived a life. Yeah. And uh, one was from Britain, one of my favorite comics of all time, a guy named Stuart Lee. Mm-hmm. Do you know that guy? No, I don't. A British comic? I think he's English. And then uh, David O'Doherty is an Irish comic. Yes, I do know him. And uh, he's a great comic. And then a guy named Greg Fleet, who's an Australian comic, Fleety. Okay. He's sort of, um, I don't know, Mitch Hedberg-y? All right. Not in his material, but in the fact that he's a mess and he keeps getting a lot of opportunities. <laughs> and, uh, but very, very funny. Okay. So if you get a chance, Greg Fleet's your, 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 your go-to. If you're if you miss Mitch, right. and we all do. Uh, yeah. But uh, how did they hear about you, and how did your humor Maria go over? Oh, Maria Bamford hooked yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got to do some showcases when I when I went with her the first time, and then now Maria's they, big there. Yeah, yeah, she did really well. 
how does she get so big? Because I heard like I know it's her and Arj Barker and I think Eddie Ift are the big. Yeah, but also um, Australian um, Arj like runs that country. I think he's like uh, huge, right? He is huge, and uh, um, but remember, there's only 25 million people. They have four channels. I I did a TV show. Nine weeks later, a child recognized me in Perth. Yes, wow, and uh, that's what I heard. It was it, like the 70s. They said it's like the old days of the the Tonight Show. I guess there's one late night show that they all watch. Right, and if you go on that show and do well, the next day everybody will know the country Who knows you your are. name. Yes, yes, and it does change your life there, I guess. But yep, it's still small. Do it's they- still small, and it's but it's it's su- such a lovely country mm-hmm. that there's no reason not to live there. <laughs> and uh, as I've explained to them, one day you will be a superpower, and you'll have to apologize for your actions. Congratulations! <laughs> yes. And it's not all just beer and uh, you know Aussie rules football. Exactly, it's not super super sweet. And, uh, <laughs> and surfing with you guys, with you people. But I mean, what I found it, the thing that really struck me about Australia, the only downside of it was it's too much like America in the fact that they're all around the same age. We're founded around the same time, like late 1700s. Um, nothing's older than that. That's like they've um, only been around for two hundred years. Yeah, total. and nothing anything older than that is I mean, Aborigine, we're, we're, which has been like wiped out. Yeah, but we're like one hundred and fifty years older than them. Yeah, I think so. New Zealand's the youngest country in the world. I think. I think uh, Southern I believe, Sudan. Southern Sudan just got, like uh, started yeah, yeah. last month. I think month. Djibouti's about six yeah. <laughs> years old. <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, and and that and the size of the place and the lack of people. Like I would go to. Did you make it to Byron Bay? No, where is that? Byron Bay is up along the coast. It's a few hours. Like by Broome or Darwin It's or on something? your way to, I can't remember if it's north of Brisbane or south of Brisbane. I think it's on the way to Brisbane. No, it's past Brisbane. It's past Brisbane it's like before this real, Cairns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. along, it's the easternmost point of the continental oh, okay. uh, Australia. Australia. Yeah. And it's this real, like, it was a hippie surfer town for the longest time. Right. But it's a beautiful beach. But now it's become more uh, like cele- like Nicole Kidman has a house there, sure. and all like the you know celebrities do. But it's still only a town like that in America. I remember hanging out there for days, and it felt like an hour. You know, yeah. it was just great. But I remember thinking, you know, if this beach and this town was in America, it would be overrun now by with like t-shirt shops and bad yeah. hotels. It'd be an and opportunity just... to buy a kite yes. and some fudge. <laughs> exactly. And, uh... and there, it, would, it could still be cool and mellow yeah. and small. Because yeah. there's just not that many people. Yeah. It's, and there's, there's so much wildlife. And, and because they're such a young country, they have been sort of born in this sort of greener time. So they spend a good portion of their time not introducing new species and mm-hmm. being still mad at cats. Oh, yeah. They're, still, they, <laughs> they're yeah, very angry about cats. They've wiped out a lot of the native uh, uh, but ground they, squirrels and things like that. And the birds, birds and the ground yeah. birds and stuff. And But they, they – and whenever like the cane toad comes up, you just see like steam come out of their ears because <laughs> it was supposed to eat the cane, the sugar cane beetle, and it didn't like the sugar cane beetle. And now there's over a billion cane toads. Yes. And uh, <laughs> they have just – But the thing, That was a great Simpsons episode. They still talk about oh, yeah. that over there when they went to Australia. And they, yeah, Bart brought a frog there or something, right. and it was everywhere. And then they gave it a name like a Wulawanga or something. It was like a mile long. And they, right. can't you call something one? No, it's a Mukabura bird or something, or, you know. And well, they all drank something. Right. It's interesting that um, there's two different things going on. The Aboriginal language will, will have like a bajillion, um, not consonants, vowels. Yeah. There you go. And, uh, and half our own. 
yeah. Something and, like uh, that. And then the uh, and then the Australians themselves will just name something. Like we went to the rainforest, and the guy was like, "What do you think that's called?" I was like, "Well," he said. Go simple, go simple, and I said yeah. the the leaf is heart shaped. He said it's a heart fern, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> or you shorten everything in Australia. Like sunglasses are sunnies, mosquitoes are mozzies, Australia is Aussies. Right. It's like it's like you're in a big hurry to go anywhere. No, you're just lazy. Come right, on, right, right. It's a, a guy. Uh, I went whenever I go to a new place because I travel so much. I like to go to the same place for breakfast every mm-hmm. day. Brecky, you mean? Either brecky or coffee or – like I like to go to the same place every time just so that I, I feel like I live there a little more. Yeah, like, yeah. And so this, the first day I go to this coffee shop, I t- end up talking to a guy and I'm doing a show in, outside of Sydney. So I said, hey, I'm doing this comedy show. And he's like, oh, you're a comic. So the next day I go in and one of the, one of the young baristas comes up and he's a Lebanese guy, refers to himself as a leb. Yeah. And, uh, and he says, hey, do you do any racist material? And I said <laughs> – no, no, I, I can don't. learn though. I'm, I'm sure you're about to deliver some. And, uh, here we go. Right, and let I, me brace myself. I and what I want later, I thought about it. I was like, I should have said, "Do you mean racial material right. where we celebrate the differences <laughs> between peoples?" And my and Andy goes, "You should have just said nigga, please." And I was like, I don't think I have that in me. Yeah, <laughs> in the moment, this does not say right, hip-hop. right, right, right. And I enjoy hip hop. It mm-hmm. is. Do not judge me, travel okay. travel podcaster listeners. Very- <laughs> and uh, I'm enormously hip. We mm-hmm. don't know. Lupe Fiasco. Anyone? Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Anyway. Well, I remember I did two spots. I did, I did a set in um, in Melbourne at the Esplanade Hotel. Nice. Down the, you know that place? No, but I know comedy. Ian Bag did it. I, yeah, yeah, and uh, that was kind of cool. And then Ian's I, big there. Oh, really? Yeah. No, that, yeah. Well, he's he's very funny. Yeah. And they, um, and then I did one in uh, Glebe, the neighborhood. That's where I did and the so, show outside was, of Sydney. Yeah, it was a little hotel, and they had a bar downstairs, and then I did it. And I did was, a, a restaurant called A Friend in Hand. They do have been doing a show there for six years called A Mike in Hand. Oh. And it was eight local comics. And then me doing 45 minutes to an hour. And I that said, seems are you sure? abnormally cruel. It was like a really long show. So I was talking to the oh, guy. Oh, you were paid though. Yeah, well, See, I, I was not paid. I just set these things up like before I left. I didn't realize I was going to be paid until he said I was doing 45 minutes to an hour. And oh, I was that, like. Oh, and then there's definitely some money happening. Right. I was like. As if this is free, that we were talking five to ten. Right. I could do 15 if you like. And uh, <laughs> so, but the, but, and it was so funny because I said, so everybody's doing like tens. Are you sure you want me to do 45 to an hour? And he said. You can do you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to prorate you. And I said, "There's money involved. What's oh. happening?" And uh, then Listening. there was money, and it was lovely. And everybody, I love stand-up comedy in Australia because this is my theory. They have a theory that nobody's watching them, so it's very unique. It's very they they try things harder. They try things more edgy. You mean there's no there's no pressure of like oh there's, there's an no agent pressure. in the crowd or yeah. there's, there's like a TV show. Well, they all yeah. want to get on the. On the local the, the TV. local TV. But. but there's literally hundreds of people who give a damn. Right. And they're just like, well, I might as well do the thing I want to do then. So it's freeing in that. It's so freeing that I saw some amazing stand-up comedy there. Really? Really, great. really great comedy. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Did any of your references not fly? I remember I had a joke that had something to do with, like, chaps were in the punchline. You know, the guys riding chaps yeah. and stuff. And I used it, and it was in the punchline. And they went... Uh, why nope. was he talking about his friends, the chaps? But yeah, yeah. oh no, they, these are like pants and want crickets. Nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, All right, sometimes. maybe I'll leave that one out. And I said something with cotton candy. I had a joke about cotton candy, and they I realized yeah, they, they call, call it fairy it... floss. Or, right, right. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's fairy candy floss. Candy floss or fairy floss, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, some of my jokes didn't go. Like, I do, I do a lot of stuff or six years ago when I was, when I was doing the, the first time I did that long tour there. It was 2005. And I do – my dad's an aluminum siding salesman. Well, aluminium. Aluminium, which is wrong, by the way. I'll cut them a lot of different things, but there's no extra I in there, so they can aluminium. stop with the aluminium. Uh, yeah. So I'll give them basil and uh, you know all oh, that stuff. I just had an embarrassing moment at the garden center because I came home and I was like – because I, I cook a lot. And I was like, they used coriander leaves, and I mm. have only used coriander seeds. So I went to the garden center, and I said, do you guys have a coriander plant that I can use the leaves? And my uh, my – my dude, my my garden guy, who I know very well uh, and is very sarcastic, uh, <laughs> said, we don't have any coriander plants. We do have some cilantro, which is the same thing. And I was like, you are a bastard. And uh, all right. <laughs> oh, the, what was the other one they said? They used to piss me off. Uh, well, there's always going to be the tomato. You get that, England, too. I remember I was eating some chips, crisps. Okay, we'll call them that. Sure. And there was, uh, I said, it was... Uh, tomatoes and basil, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they went tomato, it's and, tomato basil. and basil, and they yes. gave me shit. And then and you got to call it a toilet. You got to yes, just right. up, you just got to fess up and say, it's a "I to- need where a is toilet. the toilet?" And there's no uh, grossness about it. No, no, everyone is acknowledging that you do indeed need a toilet. N- yes, <laughs> and they say oregano, which is wrong. And I'm sorry, I will not say that. I will <laughs> not give you that slobble? one. The salable, the salable. It's uh, yeah, I w- and I was just in the Middle East. For yeah, that's ever. the other thing. Let's get to that because okay. uh, before it gets too late, I oh, wanted yeah. to ask you about performing in the Middle East. Graham Elwood was here. Yeah, he had talked about performing in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, you've, a, you've gone. Yeah, a I did Iraq. I did Iraq one time, and then this last time I just got back about a month ago. So, as a lady performing for the troops mm-hmm. and going to Muslim countries, sure. Tell me about your experience as a lady walking around. Well, here, here's the thing: I went to Iraq with Scott Kennedy. Do you yes. know Scott Kennedy. Yes. There you go. Scott Kennedy goes every month for eleven days. Oh boy! And brings two new comics every time, or two mm-hmm. two two comics every time. He is. Uh, he knows everybody, and the reason I went with him was because he knows everybody, and, it's, and I'm not going to – he's done it. There's, no, there's never going to be any mystery what's about to happen because yeah. Scott is in charge. Okay. And he – if anything – if there's a glitch, he knows a guy to go to and talk to him about it. So that's why I went. That was the first time I went. I flew into Kuwait with Scott, uh, and then we went to the base from Kuwait City. And Kuwait City Airport, by the way, Cinnabon. <laughs> and a caribou coffee shop. Oh, all right. Which well, is I heard co- Kuwait is very modern and very uh, very modern and uh, and a lot and of money. Lot. Oh my God. And and the thing about Kuwait, size of New Jersey, uh, no water. There's no water. It used to just be a place that, uh, as we were told, to get over to get to Iraq, which has all mm-hmm. the water. If you drill for water in Kuwait, you will hit oil first. <laughs> uh, so that it's all desalination plants. Yeah. And um, but they uh, so with with. And then once we were on the Kuwait base, it was all military flights. So we didn't have to deal with the locals ever. Mm-hmm. We flew from Kuwait City into Baghdad. And then from Baghdad, it was driving around in these mine-resistant armored personnel vehicles with troops. And very scary. Right. Very scary. And everybody kept telling me, 
No one's ever been killed in an MRAP. And I kept saying, has anyone ever wet themselves in an MRAP? Because that's what's going to happen over here. Anyway, but the, uh, the, so that was my first trip. And it was with Scott. And it was all taken care of. And, and he had he'd been a thousand times. He's been a thousand times since. This last time, I went with a guy named Vargas Mason who had never been. Mm-hmm. And But he was like, it's going to be fine. We're going to go to Afghanistan. And, and I was like, well, once we're behind the curtain of American military might, uh, there will be dudes to take care of us. There will be men and women who are skilled at not having any of the entertainment ever die. Because okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. they've never had any entertainment die or get hurt. It's good to um, know. Yeah, because they don't want – they want you to come back. Yeah. So they protect you. To their detriment, no doubt, to their own life yeah, safety. Yeah, sure there's other things they'd like to be doing other than that's those guys in the MRAPs were not. They were like, eh, all right. Mm-hmm. And um, but the matter of fact, the last thing one of them said, the young, the, the one of the young soldiers who was in the MRAP is uh, he was the extra uh, rifle dude. He was the extra machine gunner guy. He said, "So you guys are going home after two weeks in Iraq?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Cordially, fuck you." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Fair enough, fair enough, buddy." And uh, so, just so we know, an MRAP is a is like an armored vehicle. Yeah, it's like a Humvee on steroids. Okay, and it has a V bottom, so if it hits an IED, uh, oh right, that's yeah, so it bomb, deflects it, the force. It deflects the force, and what happens is 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 the box that everyone's sitting in gets thrown into the air, and you probably break your neck, but you don't get blown up. Okay, so there you go. So you got that going for you. Yeah, we got that going for us, and. Uh, um, and I, you know, I don't know anything about the armed forces. I come from a long line of cowards. Right. And, uh, and so. <laughs> Your family poisons people. <laughs> my family has some, some plenty of issues and none of them have anything to do with the armed forces. Many of my brothers thought about joining and, uh, and it, 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 it just didn't happen. It didn't yeah. happen. They, um, they did the math in the case of my brother, <laughs> uh, Russ. And my brother Scott has epilepsy. My brother Phil punched a cop right before, uh, right after he signed the papers. And they were like, it was 75, 1975. Uh, Oh, so now they right let, after Vietnam. Right. Well, and so they weren't accepting. Yeah. And they were like, well, that's not going to be okay. Now they'd be like, eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, we could use you. Walk it off. We could use a man yeah. of your spirit. <laughs> we could use a guy without that's anything. That's gumption you got. I like, I like your moxie, kid. Come on. <laughs> and We got this, an MRAP with your name on it. Exactly. So we fly to um, – so this thing, we're supposed to go to Afghanistan. But right before we leave, they shoot bin Laden. Hmm. And um, they're like, you're not going to Afghanistan. It's too dangerous to go to Afghanistan. They don't ask us if we still want to go, and they don't uh, tell us where we're going. It's just like we've enlisted. <laughs> and uh, so Vargas, me, April Macy, and Alicia Cooper, two other women comics. Oh, okay. So, so three women comics and, and Vargas Mason. Yeah. It's an it was, odd booking. I mean, it's either, you think it's going to be all women or – it's Vargas's. It's it's Vargas's freak show. It's fine. It's okay. uh, it, he books it as Vargas Mason oh. and three pretty ladies. Oh, Vargas booked it himself. Yeah. Oh, okay. With the, that, with the Armed Forces Entertainment. All right. And he wanted to hang out with three women. For yeah, I know. <laughs> I, now I'm starting to for make sense of this whole weeks. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we me fly. And babe, me and three babes go over. To, <laughs> I know he's married. We're he's got huddled two together kids. in an MRAP. <laughs> this would be awesome. So we fly first to uh, Djibouti. Which is in Africa, yes. and it's in between Somalia and uh, Ethiopia. I've never heard of it. Capital uh, of Djibouti, Djibouti, Djibouti. Huh? And we, exactly, that? nice work, that? nice work. Trivia. And um, it was like Casablanca when we get off the plane. It looked like uh, the Casablanca customs agent. It looked like a market, just like a you yeah. Know. It was just like a wooden with a glass window, and you're like, <laughs> okay, where is Humphrey Bogart? Yes. And so it's a million degrees. Because you're on the equator and of it's um, moist, like somebody's mouth, yes. and uh, <laughs> and 
and they take us to the base. And you being from Milwaukee and Minnesota are a big fan of the heat. Yeah, I can't do humid. Can't yeah. do it. And uh, so, but and you live there. in the valley, so you're loose to a little I'm bit of a dry that. heat. Yeah, sure. And uh, but the. We go and we're, we put us up in these uh, containerized living units, which look like a storage unit in Pacoima. It's an <laughs> air-conditioned trailer is what it is. And there's two bunks. And me and April Macy are in it. And then the next day they take us into downtown Djibouti and show us the hotel that they usually put the talent up at with an infinity pool and a Starbucks. Oh, and we're boy. like, why would you, why would you show us? Yeah. I'm in a container and unit. I'm in a container unit over there. <laughs> Don't show us the nice place. Next to the French base. So why didn't they put you up at the hotel? Were they it cutting back? Or what? It was oh. full. And everything was full. And so we didn't even get a wet clue, containerized living unit. They're okay. called clues. Clues? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sometimes they're called chews. So there was no bathroom or shower unit. in it. No bathroom or shower. It was a dry clue <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is what they were called. And so the three of us... Uh, are over in the women's clues and Vargas is over in the men's clues. And we do one show the next day they take us. Oh, they take us to downtown Djibouti to the market. We have a couple of guards and, um, and the guards are like, you have to haggle. You have to haggle. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to. Oh yeah. That's the whole deal. Right. They said, well, they won't really respect you. And I was like, they don't have to <laughs> buy some meat for your child. Here's some milk. <laughs> take this $10 and I will take this knockoff Djibouti soccer Jersey. Yeah. And, uh, it doesn't, I don't, you don't need to respect me. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not coming back. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. And then we, I mean, Alicia Cooper on board with the haggling. And Some people love they love the game of it. They love the they my just, dad they have loves fun it. with it. I hate it. I, I never hate liked it. it. I've never enjoyed it. That's what? why I pay an agent ten percent. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. And uh, later I was in some Middle Eastern bazaar kind of thing or when we were in Kuwait and the guy was like, It'll be um forty five dollars for these two other jerseys. It was two jerseys. yeah, two it was a Iraqi jersey and a Kuwaiti jersey. Okay. I got a bunch of soccer jerseys for people. Right. And um and I said so I could do this. I can give you $45 or we could haggle. Do you have a preference? And he goes, $35. And I said, done. And <laughs> I didn't, He haggled anyway. He haggled anyway. He talked himself down. He talked himself. That's the deal, though. I mean, that, the, the, I was like, yeah. I don't care. And so, but the second day we spent on. on you still overpaid, by the way. I mean, by the way. Still, come on. Everything was a nickel. Yeah. Everything was made in China <laughs> yeah, and exactly. it was fine. So we went. The next day, they showed us around the base, and we get to meet all the guys who couldn't come to the show, essentially. And um, and then and then they took us to the canine unit, and they asked us if we wanted to put the bite suit on and have the drug dog take us down. As well, a, yeah, as I mean, a treat. it's quite an offer. I said, as a treat, of course I. Why do. wouldn't I want a dog to gnaw I, my arm off? I want to wear the marshmallow suit and have a dog take me down. You know what? As weird as I, I kind of do too. Right. Because then you get to get up and go, I swear I'll go straight. I yeah. swear. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to fly right. And uh, so I am go first and I put on the bite suit and they bring out like a 25 pound Belgian shepherd. Ooh. And she's very sweet before and after. Uh, but during when she is being directed by the, the guys who train, the men and women who train, uh, she is very vicious. Yeah. And, and they say when she brings you down. Scream like it hurts so that she's never, ever shocked when it, she does it in real life and it hurts. And so I get to act. And uh, <laughs> so I'm on one side of this dirt enclosure and they say, run and she'll take you down and we'll send her after you. And I was like, okay. Um, and I run like I'm never going to outrun a dog. 
right? Because <laughs> right. I no, am not fit. None of us are. Right. And nobody is. Yeah, so, so you can't outrun a dog. No, you can't outrun a dog. So I pad, pad, pad. They send the dog. The dog brings me down. It's hilarious. There's video on YouTube. And, um, <laughs> and I yell bloody murder. And then Vargas puts on the suit. And Vargas is a five foot ten black man who's very, very fit. Mm-hmm. And they bring out an 80-pound German shepherd. Oh. And he's like, could I have the Yeah, where's the, where's the small girl, the Belgian dog? <laughs> right. And, uh, and they think he's kidding. But mm-hmm. he's genuinely getting nervous. So yeah. he's – and he's like – this is what he tells me afterwards. I think to myself, maybe I can outrun the dog. <laughs> so he full-on runs. And he gets to the wall and the dog takes him down. And he jams his knee into a solid piece of wood oh. and rips his patella tendon. Oh, no. Yeah, rips his kneecap off, essentially. And he's on the ground screaming. There is video. It is not on the internet. Uh, but, he, but we think he's kidding. Right, right. Because he saw you scream. I'm right. going to scream like Jackie. Well, and he, we've coward. been told to scream. <laughs> and, uh, and, well, we're done now. And, uh, and Vargas is done and has to go home. Oh. They send him home. Coach, by the way. 30 hours, coach. With a torn. With a, with a straightened out in a splint. He flies to Ethiopia. He flies to Kuwait with us. There's a six-hour layover. He flies to Heathrow. He flies from Heathrow to LAX. How many shows did you miss? Uh, no, we kept going. Oh, you kept going. He said, you guys want to keep going? And we think it's a Yoder run. Right, right, right. Uh, we I'm think doing, it's... I do Kandahar, <laughs> Petoskey, Michigan, and then I do the loop up right, to St. Marie. We just think it's a regular road gig when we <laughs> right. say yes. But now there's three ladies without a headscarf between us mm-hmm. traveling around the Middle East by ourselves. Well, that's what I wanted to get before you, uh, before you wrap it up. I wanted to... There's a great photo of you, I think, on Facebook with you in Saudi Arabia. Yes, and now, as with a the woman, abaya and the yeah. headscarf. Well, talk about that and how you got around, and what was it like being a woman in, in a place like Saudi Arabia? Well, the, the two other women, first of all, comics are jackasses. Yeah. So we're trying to make each other laugh because we're nervous now. And, and they appreciate uh, single women having a, a great time, un- yeah, yeah. unescorted, right. and, giggling. Right. And so. April is asking every single person if it's safe for three women to travel alone. And the first ten people are like, yeah, if you don't wear culottes and a tube top mm-hmm. and start a feminist march, you should be fine. But I thought you needed to have, like, your husband or your – or no, some other – No, they get cable. Yeah. They get – you know, it's not like they're they're – you know, just don't start – you know, don't be an idiot. Wear long sleeves and you're in someone else's house. Yes. That's how I always think okay. of it. Right? So you're polite and you do their thing and then – Now, where do you get the outfit? Well, when we get to Saudi Arabia is when we actually need it. Yeah. Because Kuwait and Oman, didn't Just, you didn't need it in town. And so... Not even like a, a headscarf or anything? No, not even a headscarf. Okay. We thought we did because every 11th guy we meet would be like, no, no, they're going to rape you. No, oh. no, they're going to... They chop women up and sell them for meat. Yeah. And so every 11th guy is winning the war by himself and he's a tool. Right. Now, <laughs> if I had met just one of those guys, I would have been like, oh, that guy's a jackass. I get it. But I met... 13 of those guys. It was like Chinese water torture. So by the time we get to Saudi Arabia, we're panicking. We're like, oh, God. And the last guy in Oman said, the last jackass in Oman, the twit, there said we weren't even allowed to get our own boarding passes. We had to get a man to get our boarding Mm. passes. And we had to wear headscarves on the plane. So we borrow headscarves. He gets us our boarding passes. Our first sign that we're being ridiculous is the stewardess who says, when we're all in these, there's a picture of that, too. She goes, what are you guys doing? Why are you wearing those? Uh, do you want a picture? 
<laughs> and uh, so she took a picture of us. A couple in of your them. costume? In, in your, your Middle East the, costume? The thing that you're mocking. And, uh, and I'm in a panic. I'm in a full-on panic. Right. And so we get to Saudi Arabia. And when the guy picks us up on the other side of customs, he hands us each a bag of uh, an abaya and a headscarf. He says, you don't need them in the car, but if we w- tomorrow we're going to take you to a museum and out to lunch. You'll need to wear them there. And you won't need to wear the headscarf except for when we're by uh, the police station, which is by Chop Chop Square, which is where they chop off people's heads. Ah, good old-fashioned justice. Yes. And Biblical then, justice. And then when there is <laughs> – and exactly. And then <laughs> when uh, – when it's not being used to chop people's heads off, kids play in the square. Well, it's sure. nice. Why wouldn't they? It's fun. It's a, nice view. It's it's a, lot, a lot of room space. to play. Sure. sure. And uh, so, but when we get back to the room, April Macy, the funniest line, April Macy, <laughs> we're in the we're in our apartment, the where we're staying. Very nice place. Mm-hmm. And she pad pad beds into her room, comes out with the abaya and the headscarf on, and says, "Who's ready for some limited personal freedom?" <laughs> and then she's taking pictures of us. We're all taking pictures of each other, like the crazy Americans that we are. Now that we're in the safety of our own hotel room, and she's like, "Make love to the camera, like you're not allowed to drive." <laughs> and so we drive around in downtown Riyadh, and you drove. No, we did not drive because okay, you yeah, were not allowed right, to drive. Right, we, right. we had two guards with us, okay. a Korean guy and a Filipino guy, and um, who were both liaison guys, the nicest guys in the world. And right. um, and they drove us and they took us to the museum and they took us out to lunch and we had to eat in the family section because men and women eating together have to eat in the family section. Yeah. And then there's a men's section. And um, the weirdest taxidermy was the decoration at this Turkish restaurant. Uh, a baby fox that had been stuffed and put on a bicycle. <laughs> a baby giraffe with you know sunglasses Are you on? sure that wasn't the fantastic, Mr. Fox? <laughs> it was, it, it was pretty been. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... It, it sounded was, like George Clooney when I heard <laughs> And there was Meryl Streep. <laughs> and yeah, so it was very Sex in the City too, except for that I didn't want to kill us all. Right, but I mean, are you... How shocked were you... In terms of you were expecting it, or what didn't you expect, and how did it change your opinions of that part of the world? Every single person who t- who scared me about traveling through Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and all that stuff was an American. Mm-hmm. Every single one was some bullethead twit who uh, wanted me to feel his muscle. Right, uh, right. The other ten Americans that we would ask, and the random... Third country national, mm-hmm. the, our the, Filipino guard, right? Our, the Filipinos and the Koreans and the mm-hmm. Guatemalans and then everybody—they were fine. So I was scared going into Saudi Arabia, and I looked at them very much like the enemy. And I was like, "I'm not coming back, people." And yeah. uh, I'm, and I'm, and granted, you know, with a couple of weeks' distance from it, uh, I'm certainly not going to move to Saudi Arabia. But because right. I think of myself as very tolerant, and it's their country. They get to do whatever they want there, much like France gets to do whatever they yes. want. And it's um, certainly a different way to live. Yes. It's, yeah. And they're 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 shooting themselves in the foot if they want to keep it that way because they send they have so much money in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and Kuwait. They send everybody for higher education in the United States and Europe, including all of their women. Yeah. So those women come back. They've been driving. They've spent four years living, you know, probably with headscarves and and, and living their lives religiously and living their lives, you know, demurely, but also getting to drive and getting to go out to lunch and getting to have. And once you get that little taste of freedom, it's tough to go back. It's very hard to put the slave chain back on. It (laughs) turns out nobody wants in. But in turn, they look at uh, American men and think, you know, we're getting walked on by our women. They, They look at you guys. You can't control. 
Right. Your women, they think we're nuts. Right. It's like, you, you let, let your wife you talk to you like that? You let your wife do... Only in... Yeah, but the thing is, is you could finish that sentence, you let your wife talk to you like that in public. Yeah, yeah. Because the, it's I not like... I guess they run the home, right? The Right, the, the women completely control the home and the family, and you're just like, you're getting henpecked as much as anybody. You know, if if you were being henpecked, you, first of all, you've chosen incorrectly. Yes. Uh, you might want to... You might. I understand divorce is okay. You mm. might want to try again. And just find someone who's, you know... That's my big thing about – because I just got married myself just almost five years ago, Mm -hmm. and I was 40. So there's no – it took me a long time to find somebody I was willing to marry. I can't remember who I think I was talking to. I think I was doing Murray and Joe Wilson's Road Stories. Oh, the Road Stories. But they did say one thing about – I guess you guys are very perfect for each other. Do you oh, find that? I mean, do you, I do actually. I mean, it's, uh, it's a really fortunate thing that you've. It's it's a it's, it's a, a hard thing to find. It's a golden it's a golden ticket, quite honestly. You share all and your the, the the same dork habits and we, tendencies. Here's the thing: he's dorkier than I am, <laughs> and I'm just a good sport and a chameleon because right. I do I want to play whatever game you want to play, and. There's a game that he insists that we play. He doesn't insist that we play. Jackie, come on. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is I want to spend time with him and his friends because he has some of the nicest friends. They're, mm-hmm. they're mostly science nerds who all went to UCLA a million years ago. And some of them work at JPL. And some okay. of them are like – one of his friends is an a, a AP physics teacher in high school. He's got a, one who's a history teacher in a junior high. So they're all – you know. They're slightly overeducated and very lovely people. Mm-hmm. And um, but there's like I play D and D now, Dungeons and Dragons, which I, I know never played in. as a child. I tried it in junior high, couldn't get into it. Right, I never tried it, and it was. It's I did great notice you have more charisma points today. Oh, is oh, that yes. what? No, is it's, that, that right? is. is that part? Okay, good. yeah, my charisma, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> and what's your initiative? And so, <laughs> but there's another system called the Champion System. It's the Hero System. Too much math. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. And you can, you can, there's a couple of things that I'm not good at. And luckily I don't get my self esteem from them, uh, which is math and directions. I never know where I am. Oh. And guess what? I don't care. Uh, I will, I will take myself out to lunch when I'm super lost. And then I will ask someone and I will find out where I'm going. So when you look back on going from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. which is an extremely religious country, to Australia. Yeah, just a week which and a half is later. Really not very religious at all. They think we are very religious in Australia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when they look at our election and then when somebody's religion becomes part of the electoral process, they can't mm-hmm. believe it. Because that, something like that would never come up in Australia. It's not just mm-hmm. not a big deal. Right, and that, you realize well, how religious our country is. It really is very. Yeah, they're reactionary. Uh, they're crazy Christians or crazy Muslims or crazy Jews or crazy whatever, you know, hippies mm-hmm. uh, are the same percentage as ours. But again, there's only two, 25 million people. Right. So when you have 360 million people, the number of – it's like it's like uh, sexual assault. You know, Court TV and Nancy Grace and all television makes a fortune on – on saying 98% of the men on this planet want to rape things and diddle small children. I say 2% do, but when the numbers go up, the numbers go up, you know? So 2% of 360 million is more yeah. than 2% of 25 million. So if you uh, – that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't live defensively. It just means don't meet every guy like he's and, – and, and don't tire him all the same. I, I wish 98% of television wasn't about it. That's what I wish. Right. That'd be awesome. But if going from there, it was but, weird. But seeing those two differences and those two extremes, has it changed you 
in terms of how you look at the world and how people live? It does. For a long time, I was a knee-jerk liberal. And what I am now is a knee-jerk realist and hopeful. You know, I'm an optimist and I think that most people are good, but I don't, I don't run around with money taped to my ass screaming what's going to happen. It's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's not, it doesn't make any sense to me to live in fear. Like some people are like, oh, I'd never go to the Middle East. I would never go to Riyadh or Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, well, then you've made them win to some extent. You know, I was like, I would rather be killed doing something than not doing something. And I'm going to die anyway. So, you know, don't forget to write. (laughs) uh, You know, so, but yeah, it's like that. That's what I get out of it. Out of the traveling is how similar everyone is and how I don't have to be scared to go places. But I'm always nervous. I am always, like, initially. Well, you have common sense. I mean, you got to have your street smarts and wits about you. I mean, people just kind of, you can't be... It's right. good to be open-minded, but you can't blindly walk in. Right, but you know? the first time I went to Alaska, I was nervous. Right. You know, because I was like, oh, this is a new place. How do I live here? You know, how do I right. – do they – And you're one of four women up there. Right, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> it's like, do you like bear meat? And I was like, I've never tried bear meat. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's next for you? Where are you headed next? Uh, I'm home for a while, and then I'm doing a bunch of uh, road stuff ju- – like, I'm going to Montreal, actually, in, oh, at the lovely. end of July. And, uh, and then August, I'm, I'm, August, I think it's like Utah and um, Indiana and then Oklahoma and uh, oh, Texas. Oh, it's getting more exotic. It's getting more it's and more exotic. More and more exotic. It's, uh, I'm hoping to make it to Mississippi this year to visit the, fa- <laughs> the family. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to make it to Wisconsin this year to visit oh, the family. right. Do you go back for Christmas? I don't. No. No, I go to Minnesota a lot just because I have a brother and sister who live there, and it's my home club, and he'll headline me once a year, and then oh. he'll feature me twice a year. Is that the Acme? Yeah. Oh, what a yeah, great yeah. room that is. That is the best, one of the best rooms in the world, and the best room for me. Yeah. And they can find you at the Dork Forest. Yeah, dorkforest.com or thedorkforest.com or jackiecation.com. Jackiecation.com. They can get your CDs. Yep. I got a T-shirt, a Ranger of the Dork Forest T-shirt. I, I have a Dork Forest T-shirt from That's doing your show. That's because you came to you did the show. I did do your show, and I wanted to apologize for that. I had I thought I did terrible on your show. Oh my god! Yeah, not possible. I, yeah, it just I don't not, know because your whole we'll show. We'll have you back on. Uh, yeah, and then we'll talk about travel again. Well, that was my big I, dorky thing, and I didn't even bring that up. I think we got to a minute fifty, which is classic interview style, Cation. <laughs> yes. And so I I remember one of the last episodes where I giant regret was i was at like minute 55 and this guy all of a sudden did uh, like a 45 second rant about how he loves fonts and i was like why did why did that come up now we could have done an hour on that i'm just crazy how much you love fonts are you out of your mind helvetica alone is 20 minutes (laughs) what do you think of that comic sans people don't like it but i'm here it's the most legible (laughs) thanks jackie thank you mike